everyone. Welcome to A Millennial Learns. My name is Abby Rancor. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. So it is Monday. We are back on the Bible series. This is our second to last Bible series, unless I decide to split up Revelation into multiple parts. It's in, since it's so, you know, intricate, I guess the word is. Um, so we are going today from 1 Peter to Jude, which is... You know, Jude is the second to last book of the New Testament. So we're on the final, we're on the home stretch of finishing the Bible. So I hope you enjoy the episode and next week will be Revelation. And then we'll be back to just kind of any random topic that I want to research. And I've accumulated quite a few in the last couple weeks. So I'm really excited um, for these upcoming episodes. So I hope you enjoy the episode and um, thanks for tuning in. Okay, so like I mentioned, we're starting off in 1 Peter 1. So the general part of this section, the general theme of this section is to praise God for a living hope. That's the title. And he's saying that in his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through Jesus Christ because, you know, of his resurrection from the dead. We have been brought into an inheritance that doesn't perish or spoil or fade. And that inheritance is kept in heaven until the coming of the salvation. So we are instructed to rejoice in all of this. It says right now you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But verse 7 says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So then the next section, still in 1 Peter 1, is called Be Holy. He says, With minds alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. This is the, um, it says, well, I was going to say it's the famous, um, quote about do not conform, but it's actually a different one. It does say do not conform, but it's do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Be holy because he is holy. And I've talked about this a lot in these Bible series. I think there's this emphasis in the, at least the American Christian church, that I've noticed where it's an emphasis so much on grace to the point where holiness is just kind of disregarded, but we are commanded to be holy as he is holy. That doesn't mean we'll never make a mistake or sin again or something like that, but it does mean that we should be striving to be an example of holiness because he is holy. So it says, it was not with perishable things that redeemed you from the empty way of life, but the blood of Christ. So now that we have purified ourselves because we've obeyed the truth, uh, so that we have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So verse 24 says, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Okay, 1 Peter 2 is kind of talking about how to live like amongst 
the the group like he's instructing the church to rid themselves of malice deceit hypocrisy envy and slander he says you are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood we are a chosen people a royal priesthood um, and he says so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the light because you have received mercy so again showing like an example and a very clear instruction about how we are supposed to live he goes on to say that we should be abstaining from any sinful desires which wage war against your soul and <clears throat> says to live good lives so they can see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us okay <clears throat> now in verse 13 it says submit yourselves for the lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right for it is god's will that by doing good you should oh let's see i'm reading this terribly hold on for it is god's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil live in god's live as god's slaves show proper respect to everyone love the family of believers fear god honor the emperor it says slaves submit to masters if you suffer for doing good it is commendable before god okay so that is kind of an interesting one and i've talked about this before like is it then unbiblical to protest and to like um not boycott things because that's not against the law but like let's say you know with covid and and you have a mask mandate and you think it's wrong uh is it unbiblical to disobey that law from this passage i would think yes but if your government is doing something terrible then i don't know it doesn't give that caveat so i'll have to look more into the commentary about like the thoughts on protesting and things and if it's unbiblical but this is like the second verse that i've um that it's kind of implied or it's just not even implied just directly said like obey the governor so um okay <clears throat> verse 23 says when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay. So, First uh, Peter 3. <clears throat> this is very controversial. It says, Submit to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe, they may be won over without words. Okay, and then he also talks about how beauty should not come from outward adornment, but your inner self and that unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. So like if you have a gentle and quiet spirit, you have unfading beauty. Whereas if you have kind of an ugly spirit and this beautiful outer shell, outer body, it doesn't matter. So um, this is like the message of the radical, you know, I feel like the radical feminists that are all just love yourself. Um, it doesn't matter what you look like. You're 
perfect in any in in every way already and all of that but they're just finding it and they're rooting it in the wrong place like they're it's usually for 99% of the people I hear this from it is you're trying to find that confidence in your inner beauty within yourself whereas if you read the Bible that is being rooted in Jesus the the reason that you don't need to have this beautiful or very adorned outward self is because you are redeemed by Jesus like you are saved you've been shown mercy and you have a gentle and quiet spirit that you're honoring the Lord with and that is not exactly what radical feminists are trying to root their self-worth in so it's funny you can say the exact same thing but the root of it can be so different and when you're trying to find that in yourself it's extremely unfulfilling so okay also in first peter 3 just a little later down um he talks about suffering for doing good so it says be like-minded sympathetic love one another be compassionate and humble do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult as we all know this can be very hard our natural human nature is that if someone you know does you wrong you want to hold the grudge or do them wrong or something like that and that is just not the way that god instructs us instructs us to handle someone wronging you he says instead to repay evil with blessing if you suffer for what is right you are blessed so then he says to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have gentleness and respect uh, or with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so we should be ready at any time i have not really been probably good at this that you know in the past um i had shied away from like talking about my faith because maybe i wasn't acting like in line with my values or whatever but that is clearly uh not biblical because we should be with a clear conscience with hope and able to give an answer for why we have hope okay um it is better to suffer for good than to do than for doing evil Baptism saves. It is a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone to heaven and is at God's right hand. I've talked about it a few times how I would like to get rebaptized and there is definitely debate as to whether like baptism saves. I don't believe I mean the symbol behind the baptism saves you, so trusting and believing in Jesus as your lord and savior and that he died on the cross for you and all that stuff so i got baptized when i was super young i didn't know um i did not make the choice to get baptized and i didn't know the gospel or anything because i was like four months old and so that's a catholic thing to get baptized really young which is fine and i think there's definitely a good place for like dedicating your kids and dedicating to raise them in the church but i think as i've gotten older i believe that baptism should be when you're able to make the choice about what you actually believe so i appreciate my parents baptizing me but i think i might get rebaptized here at some point <clears throat> okay first peter 4 talks about living for god he says since christ suffered in his body arm yourselves with the same attitude 
He who suffers in the body is done with sin. Verse 3 says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will give... But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to the body in regard to the spirit. He says, be sober, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. He instructs to love each other deeply and to offer hospitality without grumbling. So... Yeah, he basically our lives should look different than people who are not saved. And I have definitely struggled with that in the past where it's so easy to get caught up in what the world is doing. Like I was listening again to the Unashamed podcast. Um, This was a long while ago, but it stuck with me that Jace Robertson, when he goes to like a big social event even though he is not morally like biblically or morally anti-alcohol in general he will not drink if it's in a large group of people where the norm is you're drinking he doesn't drink that much anyway but he says like okay let's say we're going to a big party and it's just kind of the thing that everyone has a drink he will purposely not drink because first of all If someone else is there that is struggling with alcohol or not drinking or feeling weird about it, it gives them like a non-drinking buddy to feel, um, you know, more camaraderie with kind of like it encourages them to not drink, but also it shocks people and they wonder like, why isn't this guy drinking when everyone is drinking? Um, and it, a lot of times leads to a conversation starter about the gospel. So he's able to preach the gospel in the middle of this party as people, you know, are drinking and stuff. And so I thought that was a very good example of someone who is just living completely out of what society would say is the norm. And that's like pretty tough to do. Like everyone has had definitely the temptation and probably given into the temptation of living just like the world at some points. And we are not supposed to live like the world. It's a constant battle to not. Um, But that is what we're called to do. Okay. Um, Verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and the God and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. For it is time for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Okay, so that was First Peter 4, and then First Peter 5 talks about the elders, and it says elders should be the shepherd of the flock under their care. They should be eager to serve. 
that younger people should submit themselves to elders and clothe yourselves in humility. He tells the elders to humble yourselves so that he may lift you up in due time, again to be alert and of sober mind, and say, and he says that God will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And then he gives his final greetings. So that is three times in this very short book that he says to be alert and of sober mind. So that was my big takeaway of that one, that you know, there are these temptations all around. The devil is trying to get you to, you know, backslide and disobey and not be holy and stuff like that. And so we need to be of a, be alert and of sober mind. Okay. Second Peter one, uh, is we're okay. So we got to second Peter one. So the first section is confirming one's calling and election. It says, His power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We are called by his glory and goodness. Okay, so verse 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So he does talk about like living in the past. Like if you don't have these things, then you will forget that you have been cleansed from your past sins. So no matter what your past sins are, you have been cleansed. Uh, then he talks about the prophecy of scripture. He says they are not following cleverly devised stories, but they are eyewitnesses. And the prophecies are from the Holy Spirit, not from just human will. Second Peter 2 warns about false teachers and there's destruction. There were a lot of false preachers in this ch uh, church. And so he said that there were false prophets, they were greedy, and they secretly introduced destructive heresies. He gives an example of how God held people accountable, um, angels who sinned, Sodom and Gomorrah, but then he also rescued the righteous like Noah and his family, Lot, um, and he knows how to rescue the godly from trials. In verse 13 he says, they will be paid back with harm for the harm that they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed, an accursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezar, or Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. 
It would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. A sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. So, yes, people who have known the righteousness and then have left and then become overcome by this depravity again we've heard this before in other books or sim very similar things um that it's basically worse off for them to have known and to fall on to have fallen away second peter 3 talks about the day of the lord says this is the second letter he has written to them as reminders to stimulate them to wholesome thinking so it just shows like we need to be reading the word so we are wanting to think wholesome thoughts and i've noticed like when I'm not in the word, I am not thinking as wholesome of thoughts. Like when I'm in the word reading it every day, my mind, when my mind wanders, it goes way more often to thinking about what I read that morning, thinking about God, thinking about how I can bless someone that day. When I'm not reading it, it's more focused on me and yeah, just things that are not as wholesome. So we need to be reading the word and spurring ourselves on to think wholesome thoughts. It says there will be scoffers saying that there was no God that created the world. They will say, where is the coming he promised? That sounds familiar. Like people saying that God did not create the world. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. For the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand is like a day. Uh, they say the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, so we should be living holy and godly lives. We look forward to a new heaven and new earth. He wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, kind of in the meantime until the day of the Lord. So that is Second Peter. All right, so we are now on to First John, and he's talking about the, incarn the incarnation of the word of life. So... This is 1 John 1, 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Okay, so then the next section is talking about light and darkness, sin and forgiveness, where he says, in God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That is not, again, <laughs> that is not an emphasis in the church today, I feel like, unless you go to a very good church. There is this almost like misconception that you can just continue living how you want to live and still claim fellowship with God. And I think it's it leads a lot of people astray and being really confused because they, you know, are promised that God is going to do all these amazing things with them and for them, but they keep living in sin. And so the fruit of that life is not going to be good still because you're, again, living your lie and not walking in the truth. So... Um, I heard this quote that was like, 
yes, God is going to meet you where you are. And God ate with prostitutes and sinners and things like that. But he didn't eat with them and tell them to continue to be prostitutes and tax collectors and all that. He ate with them, met them where they were, and then called them to repent from their sins. So, yeah, that is a very important part that sometimes does not get uh, the emphasis that it should, I believe. It says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Jesus purifies us from all sin. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. First John 2 talks about love and hatred for fellow believers. He said, no one should sin, but if someone does, we have an advocate with the Father. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever claims to know him and does not follow him or and does not follow his commands is a liar. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Darkness has blinded them. Um, the author gives his reasons for writing. So he wanted to encourage the group, say that he, they've been forgiven. They know him. They have overcome evil. They're strong and they've overcome the evil one. He tells that church to not love the world or anything in the world. The lust of eyes, the flesh, and the pride of life does not come from the Lord. Um, he also talks about like denying the sun and warnings against that. So it says, this is the last hour. As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Many Antichrists have come. They never belonged with us or they would have stayed with us. It says, you all know the truth. Liars deny Jesus is the Christ. And he is writing because a lot of people are trying to lead this particular church astray. I mean, it applies definitely to today as well, but, um, People are trying to lead you astray and his anointing will teach you. So he is encouraging the people to remain in him. First uh, John 3 talks about how the father has lavished on us great love and we are now called children of God. The world doesn't know us like they didn't know him. And when Christ appears, we will be like him. It says everyone who sins breaks the law in him is no sin. No one in him continues sinning. It says, don't let anyone lead you astray because sin is of the devil. Um, then there's like a whole section on additional lessons about love and hatred. He says to not to be like Cain, to love one another. And we have now passed from death into life. He tells them not to be surprised if the world hates you because anyone who hates, or I mean, don't be surprised if the world hates you comma, and anyone who hates their brother or sister is a murderer. He says that Jesus laid down his life for us so that we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, help those in need, and love with actions, not just words. First John 4 talks about denying the incarnation. He says, don't believe every spirit. See whether they are from God, because there are many false prophets and every spirit that denies that Jesus has come in the flesh is uh, not from God. So this is kind of an interesting thing that I was looking at when I was looking at different denominations of Christianity or different just religious groups. There are some religious groups that kind of disguise themselves as 
quote-unquote Christians that do not believe that Jesus himself alone is the Lord and, and Savior. They say, yes, he came and he was a good teacher, but or they say, yes, we believe in Jesus, but not like... But, and then they just leave it kind of vague. But if you really look into their beliefs, they don't really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So be careful about that for sure because there are p things that really um, sound good from the outside that are really not Christian principles. Um, First John 5 just really continues the talk about the faith in the incarnate Son of God, having trust in Jesus, and then he, you know, concludes and signs off in the letter. So now we are into 2 John, and 2 John says that it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. He said, I ask that we, that we love one another, meaning walk in obedience to his commands. Um, this author says that any person who does not acknowledge Jesus is the deceiver and the antichrist and anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Verse 10 says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk to you face to face so that our joy may be complete. So that's all that 2 John is. It's just one chapter, and then it goes to 3 John. So um, 3 John says that he was joy-filled when someone told him of the church's faithfulness. He said, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Diotrephes will not welcome us, spreading malicious nonsense. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And then James says that he is hoping to come see them very soon. And that concludes uh, third James. So... We are on the last book, and it's only one chapter. It is the book of Jude. And the first section is called The Sin and Doom of Ungodly People. So he is talking about how some ungodly and condemned people have slipped in among the people of this church. He said they deny Jesus as our only sovereign and Lord or as our only sovereign Lord. He said that God delivered his people out of Egypt, but then later destroyed those who did not believe. Sodom and Gomorrah gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. He said, even Michael the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you, not slandering himself, but people are going around slandering whatever they don't understand. They are blemishes among you. They follow their own evil desires, flatter others, for their own advantage. So this is talking about like corruption in the inner church where people are definitely trying to lead them astray and deny Jesus. Even though the church is supposed to know differently, he's just writing to them to keep their guard up basically. Uh, verse 17 talks about a call to persevere. It says, but dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. 
They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow more natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most, in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire to show... Uh, to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And then he talks about, or there's a doxology, which basically he just gives praise to God. So that is Jude, and that is the second to last book of the New Testament. So we are now at Revelation. So next week is going to be Revelation. I have a lot of research and commentary to look up for Revelation, so I'm prepping um, for that. But I hope you enjoyed this chunk of scripture, my big takeaway was like, be alert and of sober mind. People will try to tempt you and the devil will try to tempt you to go back into sin. But we as Christians should be making every effort to be holy because God desires us to be holy. Our lives are going to be better if we're holy and we want to live in the light. So many, many important messages in this section of scripture. I really enjoyed reading this whole section. I would highly recommend you go and reading the entire thing um, because it's just chock full of good stuff. So thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you on Thursday for another state history lesson. <laughs> All right. Bye everyone.